1: is a book, as I told you in previous studies, 2 Samuel is a book about David's 40-year reign as king. He reigned seven and a half years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. I told you that 2 Samuel is divided nicely into three main sections. Chapters 1 through 10, we have David's triumphs. Chapters 11 through 12, we have David's trials. And then finally, in chapters 13 through 24, we have David's troubles. David's triumphs, David's trials, and David's troubles, respectively. I told you that there are more chapters in the Old Testament dedicated to the life and the ministry of King David than any other Old Testament character. David, did you know, is mentioned more than a thousand times in the Bible. More than a thousand times. So, as we move through second Samuel we 'll see David the man, and I like to point this out we 'll see David the man. I think we forget that these people in the Bible are people they're 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 men they're they're women they're they 're like us they they lived like we do, and have needs like we do and David is a man, and we see more i think than any I might go on record to say more than Any other uh, chapter in the Bible or any other book in the Bible, we see the man, Samuel or David, the man. We see David's humanity. We see his flaws and his failures and his repentance and his successes. We see the man after God's own heart. We see the greatest king who ever lived except Jesus. It was William Booth who is the founder of the Salvation Army. He said, the greatness of a man's power is is the measure of his surrender. Don't you love that? The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. As we studied First and 2 Samuel, we've seen David go from self-will to surrender. And we'll see that even more as we move on. Let's just kind of recap. Chapter 1, the Philistines killed Saul and Jonathan on Mount Gilboa and hung their bodies on the wall of Beth shem Saul is dead and David went back to Ziklag. While in Ziklag, David, uh, a man came to David and told David, Saul and Jonathan had been killed. And David asked, how do you know this? And the man said, because he came upon Saul while he was lying on his spear, half dead. Y'all remember that? Where you at? Y'all remember the hands? Y'all remember that? All right. Laying on his spear, half dead. And Saul called him over, he said, Saul called him over and asked him to finish the job or to kill him. Now, Samuel, Second Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, you might want to look there. Verse 10, the man said he stood over Saul and he killed him. And then he said he took the crown and the bracelet and he brought them to David. Now, the man thought that this would be good news for David because he thought that David had bitterness in his heart toward Saul. He also thought that David would give him a reward for killing Saul. Well, look at verse 12 of chapter 1. The Bible tells us that David mourned and he wept for Saul and Jonathan. In verse 14, David said, why weren't you afraid to touch the Lord's anointed? Y'all looking at verse 14. Why weren't you afraid to touch the Lord's anointed? And David told one of his men to go over there and kill him. Now, in chapter 2, David is becoming the king that God has called him to be. Again, he's getting to that point of surrender. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. David asks God, and that's why we know that David is getting to the point of surrender, and he's kind of moving to that point. And again, David is a man, like we're men, and we we do the same thing. I mean, when you first become a Christian, you're not at the place where you're completely surrendered to God. You're still dealing with the flesh. You're still... Uh, getting rid of old friends and getting new ones. Say amen. Because uh, I don't know how many of y'all know you can't keep the same friends when you become a Christian. You got to change all that. Right? And no, you're not going to lead them to the Lord by hanging out with them at the club. That's what, I just I just feel like I'm going to lead them to the Lord. So... I go to the club with them to share Christ with them. No, you don't. And it's not going to work. It doesn't work like that. You have to change. And so we all get to that place and we all go through those stages. as this process of uh, progression as we um, walk with the Lord and as we live our lives for the Lord. We go through these stages. David, no different than we are. And David... Uh, Second Samuel, chapter two, verse one tells us David asked God. That's important. God, shall I move to any city in Judah? And God said, yes. And David said, which one? Where shall I go? And God said, go to Hebron. Now, I want you to look at verses eight through eleven in chapter two. Abner took Ishbosheth, Saul's 40 year old son, and brought him to Mahanaim. And made him king over northern Israel, including the tribe of Judah. Ishbosheth means man of shame. Man of shame. Ishbosheth was crowned by the general Abner, but never anointed by the Lord. And we'll see that more tonight. Abner has his own agenda and his own ambition. I want you to look at verse thirteen and fourteen of chapter two. Joab and the servants of David. We're sitting by the pool and a contest. They decide to have a contest of some sort and, and Abner challenges Joab to a sword fight. Well, in verse 14, the fight is between 12 men from each side. So 12 from Ishbosheth and 12 from David. Verse 16, very graphic. They grab each other by the head and they push a sword through each other. And they all drop to the ground and they're dead. And the field, they called that place the field of sharp swords. Well, the battle was hot and heavy, and David's men came forth as victors. Well, look at verses 18 through 23. Abishai, Joab, and Ashiel are brothers. Joab's brother, Abishai, was killed by Abner. Ashiel means fleet of foot, or foot fleet, fleet of foot. That means he could really run fast. Verse 19, he starts running toward Abner to get revenge for his brother. Abner's running. He looks behind him and says, "Ashiel, stop chasing me. Turn aside. Y'all just proves a chapter right about verse 19 and forward. Ashiel, stop chasing me. Turn aside. I don't want to kill you. But foot fleet kept running after Abner. Verse 23, he caught up to him and Abner stopped suddenly because abner remember i told you last time abner was a man of war and abner was very very skillful he was very very strategic he was a very skilled man of war so fleetfoot is chasing abner and abner's running as fast as he can he's like man stop chasing me i really I, don't do this how can i explain this to your brother if i have to kill you it's not gonna be a good thing and and he just kept chasing him and Abner didn't know what to do, so he just he, he stopped, and he turned around as a good military strategic move. He stopped, turned around, and Ashiel ran right into his sword. And the Bible tells us that the sword went through his stomach and out his back and he fell to the ground. Well, finally, Abner said to Joab, listen, now they're they're in a battle. And Abner uh, Abner said, Joab, listen, how long long will will blood be shed? We're brothers and the Philistines are our enemies. We're not each other's enemy. And the Bible says Joab left and stopped pursuing Abner. That's where we left off the last time. Chapter three, we come to tonight and... Chapter 3 continues this civil war that weakened the entire nation. What do I mean? I'll tell you more. Chapter 3, 2 Samuel, look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Saints, if you're looking at verse 1, say amen. amen. Now, there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew what, saints? Sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Ammon by Ahinoin, the Jezreelite. His second, Chelib, by Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. The third, Absalom, the son of Mekah, the daughter of Talmai, the king of Gershur, The fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith. The fifth, that guy the son of Abital, and the sixth, Ithrium, by David's wife, Eglah. These were born to David, where, saints? In Hebron. Now it was so, in verse 6, while there was a war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul, and Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ayah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? And then Abner became very angry at the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show loyalty to the house of Saul your father, to your brothers, and to your friends, and have not delivered you into the hand of David, and you charge me today with a fault concerning this woman? May God do so to Abner and more also if I do not do for David as the Lord has sworn to him. To transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel. This is a fascinating statement. And to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah. From Beersheba, from Dan to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. Saints, let's stop right there. Give me your attention. The Bible tells us that David in verse 1 grew stronger and stronger and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Now there's a growing sense that David is is is, is, is God's appointed king. Although there's tension between Judah and the northern tribes. So verse 1 tells us there's this constant war until the proper king is acknowledged. But at the same time, um, that's true in our own lives. Actually, when you think about it, there's this constant war until the proper king is acknowledged. Y'all pick that up. That's true of us, isn't it? Thank you, Lord. That's true of us, isn't it? It's this constant war inside of us until the proper king is acknowledged. Who's the proper king? Jesus. And I don't know about you, but before I became a Christian, there was a war going on inside. There really was a war going on. You know that, you know, how many times have you heard the spirit of God calling you and you resist? Or Maybe you're here tonight and you hear God knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe something in worship. God's knocking on the door of your heart and you resist. And God, you go to church and the preacher gives altar call. Hey, would there be one? Would there be one? And you just sit there. And then you come back to church. Would there be one? And you sit there. Don't you realize God's showing you grace every time that preacher says, would there be one? Because if you don't know Jesus, guess what? You're the one. Amen. Amen. I think I'm on to something. You're the one. If you don't know the Lord. And I've always been baffled by this, actually. Why do people come to church week after week, month after month, year after year, and they don't know the Lord and they don't intend on getting to know the Lord? Why do you do that? Don't get me wrong. I I like the church full. Who doesn't? I'm happy to see everybody. I'm happy you're here. But if you're just coming because you're like clocking in your time, you're wasting your time and you're wasting God's time and you're doing yourself a terrible, terrible injustice because every time you hear the word of God, it's in my notes. Every time you hear the word of God, you are acquiring more accountability. So in that day that you stand before the Lord, this is the only hope. This is the wonderful hope that we have about Miss Faye. We know. I know. Honestly, if I had to put money, I'm not, one, I'm not a betting preacher. I'm not gambling. Y'all calm down, all right? But if I had to put money on where Miss Faye is, honestly, I'd put everything I own on the fact that that woman is looking at Jesus healthy and whole. And happy, and happy, and happy, and happy. She said to me, she just kept saying to me, she's laying there. She can hardly talk. She can hardly talk. And, she's, and she's like, I got her by the hand, and she's just she's laying there. She's looking at me, and she goes, I'm happy. I, didn't she? She said, I'm happy. She said, I'm happy. I'm happy. And I said, I'm not happy. (laughs) Didn't I? I'm not happy. She said, I'm happy. Because in the presence of the Lord is health and healing and wholeness and no more sickness and no more sorrow and no more tears. And every time you come to church and, and you hear these things, then then someday when, not if, but when, because everybody's got to go that way. You know, we have to reconcile that, and that's hard for me to reconcile. I'm the preacher, don't get me wrong. It's hard for me to reconcile it. We all have to die. Do y'all not get this? Everybody has to die. Whether cancer takes you, Or you get hit by a bus, or life, old age. You just stop breathing. Your heart stops. I told you, I want to die in the pulpit. I really do. I know it would be really creepy for (laughs) y'all. It would be really, really creepy if while I'm preaching, all of a sudden I just go (laughs) and I stand, and y'all be like, is he? He sure is tired. He tired, man. He's, he needs to get some rest. And I'll stay here for like five minutes. Somebody come up and go, he dead. <laughs> he tired. He's forever asleep. <laughs> we all got to go sometime. And yes, it is hard when people leave. I, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember death being so hard for me. Matter of fact, it never has been. Never. I've honestly buried a lot of people. Unfortunately, I have buried a lot of people. And I don't ever remember feeling this way empty, vacant. Like something, Sunday, third service, something will be missing. We all have to go that way someday. And when you go that way and when you stand before God, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, as your king, then, then, then he will ask you, uh, you know, what have you done with all of this knowledge that you've accumulated week after week, Sunday after Sunday, year after year, you have gone to church, but you've never received him as king. What have you done with all that knowledge? Because with knowledge comes accountability. Hmm? With knowledge comes accountability. So you know all this stuff about the Bible. Some of y'all can quote the Bible better than I can. I know people who don't know the Lord can quote the Bible better than I can. That's interesting, isn't it? They know. That's why you got to live right because the, the world, they know when, you, when you're doing something wrong, people that don't know Jesus, they be going, you know, you know that's wrong according to uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, <laughs> don't you know that's wrong? You be <laughs> Whoa, man, I ain't know you knew the Bible like that. I thought, of, I thought if you picked up a Bible, it would burn in your hand. I didn't even know you knew the Bible like that. How you know the Bible like that? Just because I'm not a Christian don't mean I don't read it. Somebody's told me that before. Just because I'm not a Christian don't mean I don't read it. There's accountability in knowing the Word of God. That's why I would tell you, if you don't know Jesus and you don't intend on coming to know Jesus, stop coming to church. Amen. Now, when you're going to hear a preacher tell you that, you're not. But I love you and I, I, don't, I don't want you to be held accountable as you will be for the knowledge that you have and the knowledge that you didn't respond to. So the end of this is, come to Jesus. Get to know Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. He sent his son to die for you. For God so loved the world. We quote, it, do you know, we quote it, do you know it? Do you know it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world even when the world didn't love him. Everybody has to come to terms with this. Everybody has to get to that place. where you stop with that war that happens within, there's a constant war between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, until the proper king is acknowledged. Well, in verses 2 through 5, let's get back to it. In verses 2 through 5, where does the time go? In verses 2 through 5 gives us a sketch of David in Hebron. We just read it. David has six wives and six sons. Sounds like trouble. (laughs) Say amen. David is in Hebron, his firstborn son, is uh, Ammon. Ammon means faithful. Now, in Jewish custom, they would name, I've told you this, they would name their children after a marked event. Not sure why David named Ammon, Ammon. Uh, Maybe David is at a place of rest and feeling, uh, thinking about just how God, how faithful God is. I'm not sure, but he named his first son Ammon. Although Ammon means faithful, uh, this is the same Ammon, who raped his half sister and was killed by his half brother? The second son is Chilab or Chiliab, Chibiab, something like that. By Abigail, widow of Nabal the Carmelite, Chiliab has. The idea of reflection from the father. That name carries the idea of reflection from the father. The only other place that he is mentioned in the Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, pardon me, 1 Chronicles chapter 3. Uh, Many Bible scholars believe that he died young and that's why we don't know that much about him. And we don't hear that much about him in the scriptures. Um, nothing comes of him. The third son is Absalom. Absalom means father of peace. Um, Not sure why he named him um, Absalom, father of peace. His life was anything but peaceful. He murdered his half brother and led a civil war against his father, David, and tried to kill David. You know that. Now, let me tell you a little something interesting about Absalom. Absalom is the son of, according to the scriptures, Mekah. In 1 Samuel chapter 27, you can read it in your own time, but David, get this, had returned from Ziklag and he went on a rage and or raid and he came to the Gergesites and he didn't leave a man, woman, child alive in this area. When David raided these people, he obviously took a wife and he killed the king. He had he took a wife, this woman, Mekah, he took her and killed the king, and he had the son, Absalom, with her. And Absalom leads a revolt against his father, uh, as I mentioned. Interesting, Absalom is the one who, um, you know, tried to win the people over to himself, and he would tell, you know, the people, they would come to see David for various problems, and Absalom would say, David's too busy, you know, He's come talk to me. He's trying to, you know, overthrow the kingdom. Come talk to me. You know, you call David. He never picks up. Come talk to me. I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. And, and think about this. If David had never raided the Gergesites and met this woman, he would have never had Absalom. And that trial in his life, when your own son rises up against you, that in my book is a trial. That would have never happened. The fourth son is Adonijah. He tried to, he tried to take the throne when David died. The fifth is um, Sephatia. Sephatia. Yeah, there you go. Sephatia. It means, his name means Jehovah is judge. The sixth Ithream, means exalted of the people.